Now this evening I want to ask to answer a very simple question. And the question is this, what is the point of being a parent? How would you answer that question? What is the point of being a parent? Why has God given us parents? Now, some of you here are parents, of course, and this question is naturally important to you, or at least I think it should be important to you. You need to know what God expects from you as a parent, because there will come a time on that great day when you must give an account before God for how you raised your children. All of us will on that great day. So for parents, it's a big deal, this question. If you're not a parent, this question is also important to you. First, maybe you're about to become a parent. Or down the line, you plan to get married and have children. So it matters. You need to know that in advance. But, but even if that's not your case, all of us here need to know the answer to this question because how we answer this question reveals something about the condition of our hearts before God. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a debate in the USA at the moment, isn't it? Roe v. Wade has just been overturned, and there is debate in the U.S. over the killing of babies in the womb. Many people, as they've spoken on TV, have said it is okay to kill babies because being a parent is human slavery, they've said. They believe there's no point in being a parent. It's actually bad for you, they say. It is better to kill babies than to raise them as our own flesh and blood. This is a dominant view in the West at the moment. Now, I hope there's no one here who agrees with that. But that's the point, isn't it? The point is that how people answer this question about what is the point of being a parent reveals a lot about their condition before God. What they think life is. How they see God and what he's commanded us to do. So we must all know the answer to this question. What is the point of being a parent? Well, the only place we can go, the only authoritative place we can go to find an answer is in the word of God, the Bible. The Bible is the manual for life. God has given us the word of God, 66 books, all pointing to Jesus. All internally consistent. And it is the Bible we must go and find the answer. And one of the passages that gives us an answer to this question is Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 to verse 19. Now before we... I'll just read those words for you before we look at it in detail. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation... And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised. Now, we'll look at that just in a, a little bit more in detail, see how it answers that question now. But before we do that, before we see that, just a quick background on what's going on here in this passage. The situation is that we are in Genesis, right? The first book in the Bible. Humanity has rebelled against God through Adam and Eve. That's the context. 
But God has not given up on us. He has first raised Noah. Then the flood came. And then he's now raised up Abraham. He's raised up Abraham because Abraham is his chosen instrument, right, for how God is going to work in the world to bring about salvation. And God has had a binding agreement. The technical word is a covenant. He's got a covenant with Abraham. He's promised Abraham that he's going to make him a great nation. So that through Abraham, God may bless the world. Now in Genesis 18, where we are, Abraham has been setting up tents everywhere. Now he set up shop in Hebron by the ox of Mamre. But around this same region where Abraham is, there are other cities, the cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah and such cities, cities that have become very evil. And so God is not happy about this. So God has done something unusual even by Bible standards. God has come down from heaven in human form. This is called a theophany. He has come down with two angels to pay Abraham a visit on his way to see what's going on in Sodom with view of punishing those cities. And while God is visiting Abraham, he tells Abraham the words we are going to look at in Genesis 18, verse 17 to 19. Just to remind you again, this is what God says. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his households after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what? By doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised. Now these words that are being given to Abraham are unique words in one sense. Because Abraham is not just anyone. We need to remember that. You are not Abraham. God has especially chosen Abraham to save people through him. He hasn't done that with you. Right? And we know that a thousand years later, the descendants of Abraham will become a great nation, the nation of Israel, and one of the descendants is going to be God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. God became part of Abraham's family to save human beings from sin. So in one sense, Abraham is a special kind of parent than compared to any of us. And yet, because Jesus is a descendant of Abraham... Anyone who's trusting in the Lord Jesus is a child of Abraham. Christians, true Christians, are spiritual children of Abraham. Now, I'm, I make that just as an intro before we get into this, because this is important. It is important because what God says here to Abraham about the point of being a parent is also what God is saying to all of us about the point of being a parent. If you are a true child of God, what God has to say to Abraham, in effect, is also saying to you. Because you are a spiritual child of Abraham. So, how does this passage answer that important question? What is the point of being a parent? Well, the answer God gives us are two here. Two answers. And they are written on your outline. The first answer is this. God makes us parents to teach our children... To live for God. 
God makes us parents to teach our children to live for God. Now, a few months back, I was dropping off my daughter at school, right? And I, where I parked the car, you had to walk through the alleyway, right? And as I was coming back through this alleyway, I saw something interesting, right? I saw a mother having a standoff with her three or four-year-old son, right? There it was, a standoff, right? She was trying to get him to walk towards her, right? But he wasn't having any of it, right? He didn't want to walk. He was saying to the mom, I am tired. And I stood there watching. He said, I'm tired. But he wasn't tired at all. He just wanted to come. He wanted the mother to come and lift him up, right? But the mother was not having any of it. She knew what he was up to, and she didn't want to, she was not going to fall for that. So there was a standoff in the alleyway, just like that, right? Until the mom said to the child, I'll meet you halfway, right? Then the toddler agreed, and off he was, right? And they met in the middle. Um, now, when I think about that, that, that incident, it reminds me that none, no one needs to teach us to live for ourselves. Even from a young age, <laughs> we, are, we want autonomy. We want to live for ourselves. We are born demanding our way. And the Bible says the reason we are like that is that all of us are born infected with a spiritual disease called sin. Every one of us is born as a natural rebel before God. Every person lives to look after their corner from, from the womb, we might even say. We all live doing what is right in our eyes. We live by our standards. We do not care about God's standard. We live to do what brings us the greatest pleasure, even if God does not approve of what we're doing. And we do that even when it, we know it's damaging people in our lives. Because we are, by nature, sinners. And the DNA of sin is selfishness. It reduces the world to one person ourselves. Now this is not how God made us. We were designed by God to live for God, but ever since our first parents rebelled against God, we've been living for me, myself, and I. And the problem with that is that the Bible says all of us who live like that are under the wrath and judgment of God. We are all by default, every one of us, heading to hell. The everlasting flames of fire. It does not matter whether we agree with that or not. It is fact. And it does not matter what we think. All of us have broken the moral law of God. And God is too holy to turn a blind eye to it. We must be punished forever. But God is also full of love, isn't he? He's not happy that creatures he has fashioned in his own image should head down the road to hell. So God has made a way, hasn't he? He has made a way to save us. Because God is full of love. He has provided a way to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We broke God's law. Christ came to pay the penalty for our sin. 
Isn't that what we learned in Sunday school? John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now many of us know that passage by heart but we forget what it, what, that it says unless we truly believe in Christ and repent of our sin we will perish in hell forever. And so even before we get into this text and, and understand what it means, you must ask yourself this evening, have you done this? Have you truly repented of your sin? Are you truly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not saying but you've been baptized. Have you come to a view of seeing yourself as a sinner before God? Do you agree that you are that toddler in that alleyway demanding your way? And that that is your nature. And that you need to repent and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Because Christ is the only way for us to be with God. That's John 14 verse 6, isn't it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through Christ. There is no other way to be with God except through the death of Jesus on the cross. Jesus is literally not a way. He is the way of the Lord. Now, what is God's plan for telling people about Jesus? For telling people about the way of the Lord? What has God done humanly to help us do that? Well, one of the things God has done is he's given us parents who can introduce us to the one true God of the Bible, who can lead us to know and live for God. And we know this because this passage tells us, doesn't it? God tells Abraham this very thing. The number one description of Abraham, right, is to be a parent who leads children to God. Do you want to know what God's will for your life is? This is it. To be a parent who leads children to God, if you're a parent. Look at verse 19. Why has God chosen Abraham? For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised. You know what God is saying? God is saying to Abraham, your family like all human beings are not going to live naturally for me. They are, because they are natural born sinners. Every one of them. From the child to the household servant. All of them are sinners. And so they won't live naturally for me. So Abraham, you need to prioritize teaching your children to live for me as I desire them to live. They need your help, Abraham, to teach them my way. The way of the Lord. This is why I have chosen I want you to raise a family that is not like the evil cities around. I want you to raise a family that is not like what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Not like the world. I want you to raise a family that worships me. This is your number one job description. And so God is teaching us, isn't it, that the top responsibility of every parent is to teach our children to stop living for themselves. And to start living for the one true God. Whether the parent knows this or not, that is God's job 
description for the parents. Now, all of us have many needs in life, isn't it? If I went around this room and asked you, what is your greatest need at the moment? How would you answer that question? What's your, what's your deepest need at the moment? What, what, are you, what do you want right now? What do you think you really need at this moment? I think we might get many answers. Some might say, look, at owning a house, I really need to own a house at the moment. I need that. Someone might say, look, I need some, somebody to help me with the kids. They might say, that's my greatest need. Someone might say, I need to get married. Someone might say, look, my health has taken a bad turn, bad turn and, and I need my health to improve. Now, all of those things are good things, right? And they're certainly important. But according to the Bible, your greatest need is not that. Your deepest need is God. And the reason it is God is that you are not just a pile of DNA. Oh, friends, you have a soul deep within. You have a soul in you. You are not just DNA. You have a soul. And that soul is the most precious thing you have. And, and the, the problem is that that soul currently is under the wrath and judgment of God. Because you are a sinner. And so the greatest need you have, that I have, is to escape this terrible wrath of God on our soul. We need God to forgive our sins and, and give us a new life with him. This is my need. This is the greatest need of my child. And this will be the greatest need of even Gabe and Elliot James. As soon as a child knows right from wrong, the clock of God's judgment starts ticking. They must urgently get right with God in Christ or perish. They must cry to God to make them born again or they are lost forever. They must turn from sin and trust in Jesus or everlasting flames waits for them. And God, by his grace, has given parents, you parents here, the responsibility to point children to the only way of escape from that, from the judgment of God. Faith in Jesus Christ. And how are parents supposed to do this then, you ask? Well, first, they are meant to follow the example of Abraham to direct command children to live for God. Look at verse 19. How is Abraham supposed to do this? For I have chosen him that he may command his children. So where does society want to hear, isn't it? A parent commanding his children? Yeah. That he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Parents are meant to be preachers in the home. They are meant to preach the will of the Lord to their children. And when they preach the will of the Lord to the children, should result in these children living in righteousness and justice. What does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, righteousness is right living before God. So when the, the parents know who, God is, know who God is and they preach God to their children, the children should in turn live right before God. Mm -hmm. And the children should also live right with others. That's justice in the Old Testament. Justice in the Old Testament is doing right to another person. So vertical relationships sorted out. Horizontal relationships sorted out. And it all flows from knowing the way of the Lord. And for us today, 
Of course, it means directly teaching our children about the good news of Jesus. So that God can convict them of their sin, move them to repentance and faith, and to trust in Jesus. And of course, we must continue to encourage them as they grow in how to live for Christ. We must use every opportunity to grow their faith in Him. To put it simply, we must raise our children in a way that's different from how the world is telling us. We must raise our children counterculturally. Abraham is being called by God not to raise children like Sodom and Gomorrah is doing. He says, no, your way must be different. You must raise children in a way that is about me, says God. This is the reason that Abraham has come, isn't it? Well, God has come to visit Abraham. He's, he's saying, look, I've come to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because they are living in sin. But here, what I want you to do, I want you to raise children not like they're doing in Sodom and Gomorrah. Because if you raise your children as they're doing in Sodom and Gomorrah, that is a photograph of your future. Parents are meant to raise children in a countercultural way. And they are meant to take, listen to me, they are meant to take responsibility for raising their children. Two points there. This is the biblical model, isn't it? We must never see the government as the primary educator of our children. Biblically, you are the educator. I'm not saying you can't, you can't use the government. I'm just saying you cannot see the government as the primary educator. Your top priority is educating your children, and that's your top responsibility in life, if you're a parent. And most importantly, the education you are meant to focus on is here in front of you, is to teach the children in the way of the Lord, right? Your responsibility is to ensure your children have a biblical education. And you must ensure, therefore, starting from that, that everything else that they're doing doesn't fight against that, but that it reinforces that structure. That's what the Lord is saying. And so, therefore, you must shift the culture. Remove everything from the culture that opposes what you're trying to do. But your focus must be raise your children in a biblical way. And if you're going to add from what the society expects, make sure it doesn't contradict the word of God. The focus of true Bible-centered education for our children, says God here to Hebron, is that first and foremost, we must train them in the personal knowledge of who God is. That must be your focus. That must be your motto, Sister Diola and Brother James' as parents. This verse must define how you go about educating your children. Focus on their spiritual development. And only rely on the culture insofar as it supports honoring God in raising up your children. And it is in raising your children in a biblical way that should take the vast bulk of your time with them. If they are to learn anything else, it must support that, not fight it. That's the point I'm making. So we must teach our children that's how God expects. Command your children in a biblical way. The second way Abraham was expected to do it is that he was meant to model this himself. All parents are meant to model their family on how to live for God. Look at verse 19 again. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household. Listen to this. After him. Don't miss that. 
after him to keep the way of the Lord. Why am I emphasizing after him? Because God is saying, look, don't just command, live it. And as they see you live it, then they should follow the way of the Lord. The family is supposed to see you living for me and to learn by example from that. So it is precept and example. Command and modeling. Now, for you to be an example to your children, you must have a personal knowledge of the word of the Lord. Brother James, you must yourself be living holy and right before God. You must be a person who can truly say honestly, I am chosen and known by God. Sister Giola, you must be able to say, I have a true and personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only saying that, you must be a person saying, I am growing in loving Jesus. I am growing in keeping the way of the Lord. That's what God expects. Children learn what they live. There's a poem about that. I don't have time to quote all of it, but you know the poem. It's called Children Learn What They Live. Henderson something. I forget the first name. But very well known among the teachers. Children, well, there's a teacher that you can ask her how to find the poem. Children learn what they live. Parents, let me ask you this question. What are your children learning in your home? Or more precisely, what are your children living in your home? What are children seeing in your life with Christ? Be honest. Your life is right now investing in them for good or for evil. What is it investing? Can you say, as you sit here this evening, my walk with God is up to date. I have sat down with God. I have repented of my sin. I am trusting in God. It is up to date. All is well with me. All is forgiven. If you can say that, praise the Lord. Because your work with the Lord has to be up to date. Do you have a growing and vibrant life with Christ? Parents to be, it's the same question. You're preparing for a lot of things, to, 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 to have a child ready to come. Are you preparing for this thing? Having your work with the Lord up to date. And I can ask this question because we've got three parents who are expecting in this church. Are you regularly putting sin to death? Do you put life with God's people first or are you putting worldly education and hobbies? What are your children seeing in you right now? Beloved, let us raise children that even if they don't profess faith now, when we have died and they are wandering by themselves in the world, they will be able to say, you know, I've wandered away from the way my mother taught me. You know, I've been lost like the lost son in the world. But now as I sit here, my mom has long gone to be with Christ in glory. I want the Jesus that she had. I want to live the way she lived. That has to be surely the example we want to leave our children. And that's the first point, isn't it? So what's the point of parenting? Well, the point of parenting is that God makes us parents to teach our children to live for God. 
How do we do that? Precept and example. Second point quickly, and I'll finish. I know you are keen to uh, have a bit of refreshments in there, right? So, so second point, second reason, second point rather here is that parenting our children to live for God brings blessing to us. Why has God done it that way? Well, because he brings blessings to you. You know, Francis Bacon, the English philosopher, once said, He that has a family has given hostages to fortune, for it is an impediment to great enterprises, either of virtue or mischief. What a negative view of children, isn't it? Bacon lived in the 16th century, but his thoughts, sadly, they are in tune with how society thinks today. People see children as an hindrance to a more fulfilling life. I mean, certainly people delay having children for career now because it gets in the way. Families are arbitrary now. I just, I mean, I'm going off script. Brother James, Sister Jill, forgive me, but it shocks me that people can decide up front how many children they want to have. I just find that shocking. And the reason for that is because we see children as an hindrance to a more fulfilling life. The evidence is everywhere, isn't it? State-funded murder of unborn children. Rampant sexualization of children through pornography and fashion. And of course, there's the evil trinity of postmodernism, secularism, and identity politics, which are trying to change not only how our children think, friends, it's trying to change how they look. Tragic. But the Bible here presents us, isn't it, a very human flourishing view of children. Throughout the Bible, do you know, throughout the Bible we are told children are a precious gift from God to us. Only the Christian faith can build a civilization where children are valued. And as our society has continued to turn its back on biblical norms, it is now murdering children in the womb, but now even talking about infanticide. It shouldn't surprise us because it's only biblical Christianity where we are taught that children are a precious gift from God. And this is the point I'll just say. Children in general are a precious gift from God to us. And it is especially true, as I said when I was bringing um, uh, the boatings up here, as I said, it is especially true that those children who are raised in the way of the Lord bring a special blessing of grace in a way that no other child can do it. Every child is a blessing from the Lord. We affirm that. But the Bible also tells us that children who have come to know the Lord, they have been brought up in a biblical way, bring a special, extra special blessing. And this is the point God makes to Abraham, isn't it? He wants Abraham to raise children, not for God's benefit, But for Abraham's benefit, look at verse 18 to 19 there. The Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. How is this going to come about? Verse 19. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the way of the Lord may so the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised. Simply put, God is saying to Abraham, although I am sovereign over all things, 
Although I command the end from the beginning, I, the Lord does whatever he pleases. I have ordained that I would work through your family to bless you. I have decided that it is through you, Abraham, fulfilling your responsibility as a parent to raise a family that honors me, that I will then work through that to bring blessings to you. And not just you, I work through your family to bless the whole world, he says. I don't have to do it this way, but I have ordained it this way. And so God is teaching us in this passage that parenting our children to live for God is not a net cost. You know, if you're doing your cost-benefit analysis, you think, oh, the benefits are outweighed by the cost. No, it's not like that. It's the other way around. It's benefits all the way. Godly children are a blessing to us, no matter how costly it is. And I, I'm preaching to myself. I need to remember that. Because for us to obey this verse, it brings tremendous changes in how we live. And it may cost us to obey verse 19. And so we must remember that children brought up in a godly way bring blessings to us. Raising children who know and love Christ is the best investment you can make for your life because it is a blessing that never runs out. For one thing, a godly child will care for us in a way that a non-godly child cannot do it. Why do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that they'll care for us materially and they'll care for us spiritually. In those moments of old age or when we meet sickness, they will not only be there to physically care for us, they will pray for us and our Father will hear their prayers. They will be a prophet, priest, and king to us in a way that no other child who doesn't, the child doesn't know Christ can do it. They can't do it. How are they going to be a priest before God when they are lost in sin? How are they going to be a prophet to us and speak the word of God when they are lost in sin? And how are they going to rule over things that we want them to rule over with responsibility if they are lost and dead in sin? They can't do it. Only a child brought up in a godly way. Even without professional faith can have the benefits of that biblical knowledge of ministering to us in a deeper way. And of course, if they know Christ, then of course they can even do it with those three offices. So there is that benefit of material and spiritual. But most importantly, when we are in heaven, our investment in their lives, if the Lord by his grace serves them, will continue to be credited to our account. A godly parent today may in the end be a godly, a great, great, great grandmother of children of God. Just one child, beloved. One child you've raised in the godly way. Could generate a generation of godly children that credits your heavenly account. While they're in heaven, what you've invested will just be bearing fruit here on earth. Beloved, humanly speaking, we are here because of Abraham raised a godly child, Isaac. It's a fact. It's that simple. From Isaac to, the, to Joseph, to Jesus, Mary, Jesus. You know, it runs away. The wonderful generations of Christ run this side. Both sides of the family, isn't it? 
Now, this does not mean that every believer who trains their child in the way of the Lord will have a child who turns out to be a true believer. This passage is descriptive, not prescriptive. God is showing us a general principle here that parenting our children to live for God brings blessings to us. And it is teaching us that the point of parenting is to raise children who live for God for the glory of God and for the good of, cho- and for the go- for the good of the children and for our long-term blessing. Amen.